culture, a way of life, a lifestyle, the values, traditions, and practices of a specific group of people. All around the world, there are different groups of people, and every group of people has a certain way of doing things. Every family has a special way of life. Who they are shapes what they do and what they don't do and what they're like. In Vancouver, Washington, we are a group of students known as citizens. We are a community of students learning to live for Jesus. Like every community, we also have a culture. We read the Bible, God's message to us about life, the world, and Jesus. When we come together, we can't help but get excited. And we sing, passionately declaring truth and thanking God for what He has done. We give, responding to God's generosity by being generous with our money. And we serve, using our God-given talents and abilities to build one another up. This is a place where we connect, welcoming others and forming godly friendships. When we fall down, we confess. And when we have conflict, we come together and we reconcile. Knowing that when Jesus saved us, he brought us together as a family. No matter how imperfect we may be, this is who we are. We are citizens. We are citizens. We are citizens. All right. How you doing, guys? We are citizens, right? Hey, we're, uh, my name is Sam. We are Sam, right? I'm just going to start saying we are in front of everything. That helps the brand. That's what they say, you know? So we're going to slip that in everywhere. We are Sam. That just sounds too weird. I'm sorry. I'm Sam. I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, I see some new faces. So welcome. Welcome to Citizens. We're in the middle of a series right now called We Are. And we're going to spend the next several weeks talking about who is it that we are. And so tonight, the title of my message is Money, Money, Money. Because I want to talk to you about three things. It's money, money, and money. And so depending, depending on how you read that, um, we have a couple different variations for this title. We can call it, you know, straight up money, money, money. That's pretty proper. Uh, we could call it money, 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 money. But I didn't know how to write that, you know. I didn't know how to type that out to make that, like, not look like it was a typo. And so, um, yeah, the reason we're talking about money today is because money is kind of a big deal, isn't it? Would you say money's a pretty big deal? I mean, you turn on the TV, right, and, like, people are talking about money, right? You turn on the TV, and there's people playing games to win money. So, actually, people pay. Do you know people pay to get on these game shows for the chance to win more money, right? I, I was watching today, and uh, confession, I've actually never watched a full UFC fight. But, um, yeah, for real, I know. You're like, Sam, are you even, like... I don't even know what you would be, right? But uh, yeah, so today actually I glimpsed, I caught a glimpse of a, of a UFC fight and I was looking at them and they literally beat each other like senseless. Like there was one guy that was getting punched in the face and he was trying to fight back and he got punched so hard that he just dangled there and the guy literally just started banging on his face. And I'm just like, why do they do that? Oh yeah, for money. <laughs> they, do it for, they literally do it for money. There's people in jail because of money. There's people that go on the radio and they sing about money in order to make money. Is money a big deal? No. You're like, yo, I got that paper, dog. Yo, for real, I'll make it rain, dog. I got that paper, right? Listen, I was, I was, I was driving in the car and I heard a radio. That, I heard a song on the radio. I literally, literally, I laughed out loud. And you got like, just listen, just Justin, DJ, DJ Crutcher back there. DJ I need a dollar, 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 that's what I need. Hey, hey, well, 
stop, 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 no, no, actually, no, no, let's not do that. Because then you guys are going to be tempted to be like, yeah, that's so catchy. And you're not going to hear the ridiculousness of the song. So allow me to replay this dramatically. <clears throat> Aloe Blacks, I need a dollar. Well, I need a dollar. Dollar. A dollar is what I need. Hey, hey, said I need a dollar. Dollar. A dollar is what I need. Hey, hey. And I need a dollar. Dollar. A dollar is what I need. And if I share with you my story, would you share a dollar with me? Well, I don't know if I'm walking on solid ground. Hey, hey. Because everything around me is crumbling down, down. And all I want is for someone to help me. Hey, hey, I need a dollar. Dollar. Dollar is all I need. Man, that's just beautiful. Is it beautifully stupid? <laughs> right? Dude, like, when I listened to that song, I, I literally laughed out loud, and it reminded me that every culture is different, right? Every community, we've talked about this, every community has a certain way of doing things, and that includes how they handle money. And as I listened to that song, I was reminded that every culture and every community handles money very, very differently, okay? I don't walk around my house talking to my wife, I need a dollar, dollar, dollar is what I need to go to the laundry machines. No, I don't, it's just, it, we don't think about money the same way. And so every community in this world, every culture has to answer the same questions, though they do it differently. And the questions that they're answering is what is the point of money? What do you do with money? How do you spend money? Why do you want money? And so, friends, every community has a culture. And so if we are a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus, if Citizens is a community, a family of students who are learning to live for Jesus, then we too need to figure out in our culture, how do we handle money, right? Does that make sense? How do you, as a Christian, how do you as a citizen, we are citizens, how do you as a citizen handle money? And so today, what we're going to do is, we're going to look, just for a few moments, we're going to look through, we talked about it last week, we looked to the Bible, right? We read, you see it up there, because this is God's word to us, right? This is his instruction, and so we want to read this and answer the question tonight. Friends, young ladies, young man, young man, young man, it's, it's a New York thing, I was plural, I swear. But we're answering the question, how do we handle money? money money. So let's do this, all right? Let's go. And what we're going to do is we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And so go ahead, open up your Bibles. Who brought their Bibles? Dude, you got your, yo, BYOB. Remember we talked about it last week? Bring your Bibles, okay? Bring your Bibles. Open up. You got sermon notes right here. My man, I got your back, dude. We got sermon notes. And what we're going to do is we're going to go and, and, and go through 2 Corinthians 9, but you need to understand some background. How many of you guys are hungry right now? Right? I reach in my pocket and I'm just like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. No, you don't need a dollar, my friend. Silence, okay? Right? Um, you're hungry, and so you can simply do what? You're going to go home from here, or you'll go to the candy lounge, you'll take out your wallet, you open up the fridge, and you grab some food, okay? You grab some food because you're hungry. About 2,000 years ago, there was a famine in Israel, okay? 
And this was not the kind of famine of like, dude, I'm kind of broke. I just, I need to wait for next payday and go to the store. Do you guys know what a famine is? A famine means there's no food. Oh, like in your fridge, you mean? No, no, no. There's no food in the grocery store. So can you imagine, dude, I shouldn't even say this right now because this is like, this gives me nightmares. These are my nightmares. Imagine you get in your car. My door is broken, right? It's like, you start the car, you drive to Walmart, you get out of the car, you close the door, you walk into Walmart. Aisle three, best aisle ever. And you go to aisle three and you're walking down and the shelves are empty. Everybody gasped, right? And you go, oh my gosh, aisle three. You know, they must have forgot to stock it. So I'm going to go over to the cereal aisle because I know that I can get me some lucky charms, some tricks, you know what I'm saying, right? And I walk in there. And they have nothing on the shelf but a single box of Raisin Bran. And you say, oh man, all right, desperate times call for desperate measures. So you walk over to the next aisle and you go down there and you're like, I can at least count on some pickles, right? I love me some pickles. I actually eat pickles out of the jar. Anyone with me? Confession time. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. I eat them by the handful. Anyone else? I drink the juice when I'm done with the pickles. All right, too far, too far. And so you walk into the pickle aisle. Mr. Wise. Mr. Walmart. Mr. Walmart. You walk in there, and even Mr. Walmart, there's no pickles on the shelf. That's what I'm talking about by famine, right? There's no food on the shelf because there was no water to grow the food to get on the shelf. The whole land devastated. Famine. No food, no pickles, no tricks, even for the kids. You'll get that later. And so here Paul comes. He's from Israel, right? Paul's a Jew, and he hears about the famine. And so Paul goes, and he goes to the churches that he planted in Greece, right? And so he goes to the churches in Greece, and he goes, listen, your boys in Israel, your fellow Christians in Israel, they don't have any food. And they're like, oh, snap, for real? (laughs) They got pickles, (laughs) They got cereal. And he's like, yeah, they actually, they don't even have money to order food from other lands that do have food. Oh, snap, for real? Man, no money? That was a tissue, but it was a dollar, right? And so he's looking at them, and they they have means. And so Paul, he's talking to these Greek Christians saying, will you help your brothers who have a famine? Will you help those people who have no money? And so this is what he writes them. Ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's start in verse 6. This is what Paul says. Read with me. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Pause there. First thing that we see here, friends, first thing that we learn about giving is that giving is a matter of your heart, not of your money. Giving is not a matter of your money, it's actually a matter of your heart. 
So look what he does. Man, you guys know me already. You know I love imagery and analogies and, and all these kind of things, right? And so right off the bat, Paul, he starts this with this talk on money, right? Money, 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 money. That's what we're talking about. That's the title of the message. But he begins his message with what? An analogy. He says, listen, citizens, if you're going to understand giving, you need to understand farming. <laughs> because giving is actually a lot like farming. Do I have any farmers in the house? All right, we got old McDonald's in the back, right? Betsy, right? I actually don't know names of famous farmers. I don't know why I started that, right? So for real, for real farmers, raise your hand if you're a farmer. Okay, good. Raise your hand if you are familiar with how to farm. Good, more of you. Raise your hand if you've heard of farming. Okay, all right, good. And so this is going to be helpful because Paul says that giving is a lot like farming. And so he begins right off the bat with his analogy and he's going to give us a little bit of farming 101, okay? Look what he says right off the bat, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And so Paul is giving us a little farming 101 here. He says you have seed, and what you have to do is you have to put it in the ground. And then, some of you city people are like, no way, he dropped the seed. Is that how it works, right? And so you put seed on the ground, it rains, photosynthesis, and now you reap, right? So you sow, and then you reap food. You put seed, you take grain or wheat or whatever it is, right? And so here we go, it's farming 101. He says, whoever sows sparingly. You're going to reap sparingly. Make sense, right? If you sow bountifully whoosh, and you're pouring it on there, obviously there will be more food. There will be more of a harvest. And so Paul, he wants us to understand farming 101, okay? Because this is important because giving is like farming. And so if you think about it though, if you're not, if you don't understand farming, this could almost seem a little bit counterintuitive, can't it? Oh, this is my seed. <laughs> what? Don't put, uh, I guess, uh, a little bit, right? And so it's almost counterintuitive because in order to farm, in order to sow, you have to part with your seed. You have to leave it. And so it's counterintuitive because you're going, wait a minute, I want my seed, I love my seed, I sleep with my seed. And so if you're a farmer that doesn't like to part with your seed, <laughs> there's no tricks on the shelf for you, right? You're starving. And so he's telling us giving is like farming. And so even though it's counterintuitive, even though you don't want to part with it sometimes, it, like, look, at, look how nice that is, Jake, right? Like, don't throw that on the ground. Ew, putting it in the mud? What are you thinking? Seed by itself is useless. <laughs> Seed by itself is useless. It is meant to be sown. It's meant to be thrown away because it's an investment. One day, what's going to happen to the seed? I sow it. I'm going to get something even better back, right? There's going to be something greater than little seed. You want some? You want to try it? No! You don't eat seed, right? There's something greater that is coming. And so this is farming 101, okay? Giving is like farming. Money is kind of like seed. It's meant to be sown. And so now he continues farming 101. He goes, now here's what kind of sower I want you to be. All right? If giving is like farming, here's the kind of farmer that I want you to be. I need three farmers, okay? 
Here we go. Chris, thank you, man. You raised your hand to volunteer someone else. So here's the first farmer, all right? The first farmer. And look at the text here. Let's look at the text. Farmer Chris. The first text says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly. And so the first type of farmer, we're going to call you Mr. Reluctant. So here's your, here's your thing, right? And I need you to, I need you to put your active in. Here's his field, right? He's a farm. And, uh, and I need you to show them what does it look like to sow reluctantly. No, 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 man, no, no. You nodded. That was too enthusiastic, right? Reluctant. Channel your reluctant. Take two. Come on. Better. Better. People, is that better? It's working. Do it again. Come on, reluctant. I didn't, you can't stop sewing, right? Reluctantly. But the reluctance in it, this is the person that's kind of like, they're greedy. They're like, what? My seed? Uh, uh, right? Single in the cup. It's like he sowed literally a seed. Not like plural seed, a seed. He's reluctant, right? So you keep doing reluctant. I need a second farmer. Second farmer, right? Thanks, Evan. Come up here, man, right? Dude, these volunteers are coming out of the woodworks, right? And so the second, the second sower, he says, do not give reluctantly nor under compulsion. So I want you, my friend, I want you to sow your seed under compulsion. He's like, I didn't know I was getting into a dictionary battle here. Also known as language arts, right? So under compulsion. All right, let's help out our brother. Let's help him out, right? Under compulsion means he's being forced, right? Under compulsion means I don't want to Fine, I'm under compulsion, fine, right? So give me, give me some fine, like, you don't want to clean your room and you're about to clean your room. Good, all right, under, more, more, reluctant, reluctant, come on, reluctant, reluctant, compulsion, under compulsion, so this farmer, he doesn't want to, but he feels, why are you guys raising your hands at me right now? Are you waving? Just, you're never going to be a farmer, right? And so, he, so this, the guy is under compulsion, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to so. Man, people are watching. And so, like, he can't, he can't not give. He's under compulsion. He feels forced because people are watching. And, man, I'm sitting next to Jacob, and Jacob just sowed. And so, like, I have to sow now. I want to look good. Or, man, the youth. Are you sowing? Come on, dude. Are you sowing? The youth pastor is looking at me. Oh, my. I just, like, dude, I, I have to do it now. Fine. Under compulsion. Fine. You forced me. I'll give. So, 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 right? And now you have the third farmer. The third farmer. I need a female farmer. I need a female farmer. Let's go, Lauren. Come on, Lauren. Right? I said a female farmer. I know. Silence. Okay, right? And so you have the third farmer. Smile on your face. He says, I don't want you to give. You're really reluctant. Actually, you're selling it. Good. You don't want to give reluctantly. He says, I don't want you to be a farmer that gives under compulsion. Reluctant, but you still sowed, okay? He says, no, no, no. For God loves what kind of giver? For God loves a cheerful giver. Can you cheerfully sow? She's like, don't, I'm going to miss the field. She doesn't even care about the field. All right. <laughs> right? Reel that in. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Right there. Aim, aim, aim. Okay, thanks. Right? For God loves a cheerful giver. This is the kind of person that they enjoy... That they enjoy giving. Do you see that? She's a little bit too happy. Giving, right? All right. Oh, all right. Yes. Illustration done, right? 
Thank you. And so it says that God loves a cheerful giver, someone who loves to give. Literally, it says, hey, I can do this all day. And it would have been all day if you didn't waste it in seven seconds. Thank you. You guys can sit down. You can put it right here, right? And so those are the three types of givers, right? Giving is, if I fall up here, I'm suing someone, all right? Probably a cheerful giver. But listen, giving is not a matter. Giving is not a matter of your money as much as it is a matter of your heart. And so he paints three pictures here. These are three different attitudes. These are three different mentalities and hearts that you can have when it comes to giving. And he says it so clear. Friends, citizens, God loves a cheerful giver. And so Sam, wow, great illustration, man. I like the bird seed, but hey, listen, I don't have any money. At least not a lot of it, you know. Like, I get like $7 a week for my allowance, and so listen, I don't have a ton of money. So tell you what, when I'm older, then I'll be a cheerful giver, right? Sam, I just got my first job. I'm 18. Are you kidding me, man? Like, when I make like a couple figures more, right, then I can be a cheerful giver, but right now, oh, it just, it hurts to give. But here's what I'm going to tell you guys, okay? It's not a matter of your money. It's a matter of your heart. Friends, listen to me. You're, you're everywhere from 13 to 18, going on 19. Check it out. The way that you learn to give right now, the heart and the mentality, the, the which one of those that you become now, that's who you're going to be when you're older. No matter if you have $10 or $10,000, it's a matter of the heart. And so which one are you? How do you deal, how do you look to money? There's givers in our church, man, and um, I'll be honest, there, there's people at LifePoint that they give more annually than I will ever make in my lifetime. I'm being honest, okay? They give more their tithe and their offering is more than I'll ever make in my lifetime. And it would be easy to go, you know what? Of course they can be cheerful. That's my Lauren in person. Of course they can be cheerful. They have tons of money. They're sleeping on it. They're sneezing into it. They use it for toilet paper. But friends, do you know when they developed that heart attitude of a cheerful giver? When do you think that happened? When they were kids. The first time that they actually had money. The first time that they had to answer the question, how do I handle money? And so friends, I'm telling you, God loves a cheerful giver. It's not a matter of your money, it's a matter of your heart. A lot of you guys, I mean, several of you guys that I know, you guys have jobs now, right? Seniors, you have jobs. Juniors, you're starting to get to working age. A couple of you sophomores, maybe. But listen, the biblical starting point for giving, right? The way that we handle our money as the, as, as the people of God we see it's generosity. Throughout all of the Bible, it's generosity. It starts, you see it in the Old Testament, where almost like a starting point was 10%. Have you ever guys heard of the word tithing? Tithe literally means 10%. It's a tenth. And so people in the Old Testament, they'd go, man, I want to be generous toward God, and they would start with 10%. And that just kind of became a norm. 10% of my income, 10% of my livestock, 10% of whatever. But they would actually even go beyond that. And so Paul continues that here. He says, hey, friends, be generous. Sow your seed generously. Be a cheerful giver. And so for those of you guys who have jobs, you should practice that. Practice the tithe. Practice the 10%. For those of you who don't have jobs or steady income, but you get gifts, practice giving. Just practice. 
Practice? Practice. Being generous. God loves a cheerful giver. And so that's the heart of giving. What's the source of giving? That's the heart of giving. We want to be a cheerful giver, right? Over here, cheerful giver. But what's the source of our giving? Let's continue Paul's words here. Verse eight. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Friends, number two, God gives to us so that we can be generous. God's telling you, right, in the first part here, hey, citizens, God loves a cheerful giver, so go figure it out, make some money, and get to it, right? No, he doesn't say that. What does he say here? He says, I want you to abound in every good work. I want you to abound in every good work, and so I will enable you. It says that he gives us seed. But remember, we're talking about farming 101 here, right? He's talking about money. He's talking about the means. He says, I want you to abound. I want you to have a life of righteousness and good works. And so he doesn't command us to go figure it out. He says, I will give you grace. I will give you the means to be generous. And so for those of you who are here saying, man, I want to be a cheerful giver. I want to be like Lauren and just, and just love giving. But man, I don't have it like that. I just, I don't have anything. Good news. God gives to us so that we can be generous. I don't remember how old I was the first time this happened. But I remember many times that it did happen. Maybe I was like five years old. It was, it was the first time that I got kicked out of the nursery. I say kicked out because I got out scratching and clawing and actually they made an exception for me to stay in one more year but um <laughs> yeah daddy problems but um no so so yeah I actually I got kicked out of the nursery I got out I did my time right five years I was five years old and they didn't have a kids program and so it was time for me to now sit in big church right with the big people and I was scared I wanted to stay and watch veggie tales <laughs> I'm just real talk right and so so finally they're like Sam you're eight years old. You got to get out of the nursery. And so, no, I'm kidding. It was like six. But, um, and so I got to the nursery. And so here I am. I'm driving. To ch- I'm not driving. I'm, we're riding to church. I was a grown eight-year-old, bro. Shoo. And, um, and we're going to church. And my dad, you know, he lets, we dropped the ladies off at the front. My dad taught me that. We dropped the ladies off at the front of the church. And then me and my dad, we went and parked. And we got out, right? And we're walking, holding my hand. And we get across the street. And we're in front of the church. And he kind of like, I don't know if he kneeled down. Maybe that's kind of dramatic. But he definitely looked down because I was down. And he, and he takes a dollar out of his pocket. And he gives it to me, right? And I go, candy? <laughs> like, no, here's for the offering. And as we're going into church, I had a dollar in my hand. And I, and I rolled it up like this. And I'm walking into the church. And I'm sitting there in the row. And I can't wait for the offering. Why? Because my dad just gave me a dollar to put in the offering. You guys ever had that? Some of you are like, yeah, my dad dropped me off here at Citizens. <laughs> and you have a dollar in your hand. And you spent it on soda. I saw you. I'm just kidding. What was my dad doing? 
My dad was too lazy to put offering in the bucket, so he gave it to me, right? He's like, I got people to do those things for me. No, what was my dad doing? My dad was enriching me. He was enabling me to be generous. My dad was giving me the means. He was giving me resources. He was giving me the money so that I could experience what it felt like to be generous. Every dollar that you make, every job that you have, every paycheck that you've ever received or will receive, friends, every gift that comes your way, every money, every financial gain, it's like God giving you that money. Every good gift comes from God above. And he's giving you this money. He, every, every good gift is from him. Every dollar you make is so that you can meet your needs. It's so that you can be sufficient to meet your needs. And so you can be generous. Why else would someone give you seed if he didn't expect you to sow it? So think about it. My dad, could he not have simply just dropped that in the offering himself? Right? How many of you think he could have done that? My dad was capable. He had hands with working fingers. He's the one who made the dollar anyway. Bro, why give it to me to go put it in the offering? Obviously, my dad wasn't a businessman, right? <laughs> Obviously, he didn't know about efficiency. Like, dad, cut out the middleman, bro. Dad, like, that's what I'm saying. Dad, why don't you just cut out the middleman and put it in the offering yourself? That's what I was saying to him. <laughs> dad, why would you give me a dollar to put in the offering when you can. I just think it didn't make sense to me. Why would my dad give it to me instead of directly to the need, into the offering buckets? There's people here with a famine. They have need for food and water. Why couldn't God directly make it rain? <laughs> Literally and metaphorically. Why couldn't God bring down quail and manna and all these things like he did, wait a minute, in the Bible? Why couldn't God eliminate the middleman and just come down himself, Jesus, part two, and say, let me feed the 5,000 again? Why did God not do it directly? Friends, this is why. Listen to me. Because when God wants to do something, he usually uses his hands. When God wants to do something, he usually uses his hands. The Bible tells us that we are the body of Christ. We are his hands and his feet. You want to know what Jesus looks like? We are the body of Christ. When God wants to meet the needs of a famine, he uses his hands. His people. When God wants to do ministry in Vancouver, Washington, he uses his hands, his people. When God needs to do something, he uses his body, the body of Christ, to meet the needs. And so he uses his hands. That's, I think that's why God doesn't eliminate the middleman. You know why else he doesn't eliminate the middleman? You know why else my dad didn't give it directly into the offering and why he gave it to me? You know why? How many of you guys, when your dad gave you money to put in the offering, you go, oh, do I have to? I actually have to stand up and walk up to the front and drop it in the bucket? Dad, come on, I'm tired. None of us say that. Why? Because we love to be a part of something, right? 
My dad gave me that dollar in my hand, and I sat there, and I couldn't wait for the offering. I was like, oh, come on, come on. Can we do the offering now? Come on, come on. I, I loved it. I loved to be a part of it. It was a blessing. And so God shares that blessing with us that we get to be a part of generous giving. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You guys remember the first Christmas? The first Christmas. Think back to it. The first Christmas where you didn't only get gifts, you got to give gifts. Who remembers that? Right? Some of you guys are like, I still haven't gotten a gift yet. We need to talk, okay? We need to talk. But do you remember? Think about it. Remember the first Christmas where you're, actually, this applies. How many of you bought your first Christmas presents with your own money? Liars. No, you didn't. Your very first Christmas gift when you're a child and you bought, oh, I'm going to buy mom a gift. You did it with your own money? My dad took me to go pick out a gift for mom. Sam, you want to go buy mom a gift? Yes. Who had the wallet? Dad. <laughs> you want to go buy your sisters a gift? Yes. Who has the wallet? Dad. And But he took me, and I was a part of that, and he enabled me to be generous because he wanted me to experience the joy and the blessing of being generous. It's fun to give. I love getting a good gift. Don't get me wrong. I love it when my dad buys me gifts that he pretends are for me, but they're really for Micah, all right? But there's something about watching my siblings and my parents open up a gift and seeing a smile come across their face. Do you guys experience that? Don't you love giving? Like, honestly, don't you love wrapping up presents in your room and then tearing it apart and asking your sister to wrap up the presents in your room because you're not a good rapper, right? We love it. We love giving. And that's why I believe God doesn't eliminate the middleman, as it were. I never said to my dad, Dad, it doesn't count. It's not my own money. I actually had a really funny accent when I was a kid. I'll show some home videos one day. Maybe at winter camp. What? Come to winter camp. Actually, I will show home pictures at winter camp for those of you who come. But uh, anyway, so I, I never said that, right? I never said, Dad, it doesn't count. I didn't get taxes paid. That's just not mine. That's not mine. No, I said, yes, give me the dollar. I want to give. I want to contribute. And so, friends, God gives to us. You want to be a cheerful giver? God gives to you so that you can be generous. And so what if, right, what if 2016, what if we, understanding who we are, we say, Sam, you know what? We're going to do it. Let's be a community that's generous. Let's be a community where we give. That's, we are citizens, therefore, we give, and we give generously. If we embrace that as our identity, if we embrace that as the culture of this community, what do you think would happen? What do you think would happen? End of 2016, we look at the books and we go, are you kidding me? Citizens, middle school and high school, raised $5,000 for ministry? What would happen? Well, Sam, throw us a pizza party so we can celebrate. No, right? Maybe, but no, probably not, right? Take us to G6. Sorry I started that precedent. But listen, what would happen if this became a community that gave and they did it generously? Let's see it right here in the text. Let's finish up our, 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 our passage here. Starting in verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, meaning 
Not only is this taking care of the people who have famine, not only is your generous giving actually meeting needs, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from, the con- from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Friends, lastly, what we see about giving here is that a giving community reaps glory to God. Friends, a giving community reaps glory to God. Remember the beginning, right? Remember the very first verse, Farming 101. Let's go back. He says, the point is this. He gives us the point right off the bat. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. But you have to ask the question, what are we reaping? We have our seed. We know, Farming 101, the more we sow, the more we'll reap. But what are we reaping? We're sowing money, we're giving, we're generous, hoorah, we are citizens, bro, what's up? Ah, But what do we reap? Nobody talks like that, I know, I know. But what do we reap? When we sow bountifully, what do we reap bountifully? The text tells us here. Number one, it says that we will reap a harvest of righteousness. So I, I should back up a little bit here. Because you're going to run into this in your life. And as your youth pastor, I'm telling you, please listen to me, okay? You're going to run into people that are going to read this verse. And they're going to go, brother, brother, listen, listen, listen. Brother, you got a need, sow a seed. Listen, 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 listen. Brother, 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 listen to me. You need money? Give me all your money. And then you'll get money. That's what the Bible says, right? If you sow all of your money, you'll get more money. So if you want to get rich quick, just give me your money. Have you guys ever heard that? I've heard that. It doesn't make sense, Robbie. (laughs) Silence. The youth pastor. Listen, people will tell you that. If you sow your money generously, you will reap more money. So it makes sense. Give me your money, you will reap money. Is that what that verse means? How do you know? You're not youth pastors. Because you read it in context. We are citizens, and we read, and we read in context. And so when we look at the context here, what we're reaping is not simply more money. This is not a secret to becoming rich. It says, first of all, you will reap a harvest of righteousness. Meaning, friends, oh, you've got to get this. My dear, dear friends, listen. God, through Jesus, has made you righteous. That means that when you come in humble repentance, when you come to God and you go, God, I know I don't deserve to be with you, but please forgive me. When you were, God, I want to live for you. I don't deserve to be with you, but I want to live for you. When you come in that kind of attitude, God says, I no longer see your sin. I see you as righteous. I no longer see your sin. I now see the perfect perfection of Jesus. We know that here. Friends, those of you who don't know that, that's the good news. That God sees us not for who we are, but he sees us in Jesus' perfect clothing. But then it gets better. He actually works in our life so that we can become more like Jesus. He gives us his status, and then he makes us become like Jesus. And so one of the ways that we see that is by giving. When we give, when we're a cheerful giver and we're sowing, it produces us a life, a lifestyle full of good works, including giving. So number one, that's the harvest. Number two, Practically, others have their needs met. It says that he supplied the needs of the saints. So when we give, think about this, guys. 
We're going to take an offering here in a little bit. When we give, when we sow our seed, the harvest that comes up is that people around us have their needs met. So when we give through as Life Point Church, we're helping the gospel spread in Vancouver. We're helping people that don't have food have food. We're helping students like you to hear the gospel in youth group and events and camps and things like that. So when we're giving, remember what you're going to reap. You're not only going to reap a lifestyle of good works, you're going to reap other people having their needs met. Their needs met. And then the final thing here is my favorite. It says that God receives glory. He says that over and over here. And so, friends, I want us to be a generous community, but listen, listen, guys, look at me. Listen, listen, Linda, Linda, listen. This is not about giving so that we can look good. This is not about being generous because, man, people think we got it like that. And then, man, people will like us. And then people want to be my friends because I'm generous. No, no, giving ultimately is so that God will receive glory. It says here that being generous actually flows from our confession of the gospel. Guys, get this. Our generosity flows from our confession, our declaration of the gospel. And what is the gospel? That God was rich is rich, and he comes by us who are spiritually poor, and he sees us in need, and instead of walking by us, and instead of going, oh, he's in famine land spiritually, he's got no tricks or pickles spiritually, he says, I'm going to do something about it, and so this rich God comes to poor people, and he is generous with grace, he is generous meeting our needs, that's who God is, Paul actually says that in the chapter before. Put up this verse, 2 Corinthians 8. He says, for you know, guys, you know. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty we might become rich. Friends, that is the gospel. That God, who was rich in mercy and grace and holiness and, and, and everything, came to you, who is spiritually poor. You don't deserve, I don't deserve to be in relationship with God. Well, Sam, I'm actually a pretty good, listen, man, we will never deserve to be in relationship with God, but God is not sitting up there in his upper class looking down on us going, those people, he came down and made himself poor. The son of a carpenter. He was born as Jesus, a humble man, and he died. The death of someone who was broke, not an honorable death. And he was generous so that we could be with God. Therefore, if we believe, do you guys believe that? Like, honestly, have you, have you thought of that? Like, man, I don't deserve to be with God, but because of his generosity, I am. If you believe that, if that's your confession, how do we handle our money? Our generosity, friends, remember, we're his body, right? When God wants to do something, he uses his hands. And so when we are generous, it's like we're making a statement, right? When you see people in need, when you put money in the offering and you contribute to the ministry of the gospel and of people having their needs met, it's like you're making a statement. This is what my God is like. 
When you have money for food and for kicks and for clothes, but you give some of yours to those who are in need, you're making a statement, this is who my God is like. We give because our generosity reflects God's. Friends, we're citizens, and therefore we give generously. We give generously because our generosity reflects God's. And so the band, you can come up. We're going to get ready to respond here. And here's how I want to respond tonight, okay? We're talking about who we are. We're talking about the culture here. And so here's a new thing. We're doing this every week, okay? Part of our culture, part of what we do, who we are here at Citizens is that every week we're going to give, okay? And so every week we read. We have the Bible, we're going to hear a message every week you come. Your friend's like, yo, dude, what's going on with citizens? I'll tell you what we do. We read the Bible. And what else? We give generously. And so every week, friends, we're going to give. Just like you can depend on a sermon, there's going to be an offering where we can respond to God and say, Lord, I've received money and I want to be generous because that reflects your generosity. God, Life Point, I am Life Point Church. We are Life Point Church. We are citizens. And you're doing something through them. You've given us means so that we can be a part of it. And I want to play a part in that, Lord. And so stand with me today. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. Randy, he'll, be, he'll put the offering buckets up here. And I invite you to respond by giving. Remember, it's not a matter of your money, okay? It's not a matter of your money. It's not a matter of how much you have. It's a matter of your heart. And here at Citizens, we want to practice having a cheerful heart. We want to give cheerfully. Not under compulsion. Not because people around you are doing it not reluctant, whatever you've decided in your own heart, give, give. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today, God. Thank you that um, the Bible's practical. Lord, it's not just talking about abstract things that we don't ever think about. God, it's money. Lord, everybody talks about money. And so God, thank you for giving us instruction on how to handle our money. Lord, we're a community of students who are learning to follow you. So I pray that you would lead us, Lord. I pray that we would continue to grow in our ability to reflect you. And one of those things is generosity. So Lord, I pray that each person here would experience the joy of being generous. I pray that each person here would develop a DNA, that they would develop a, 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 a posture, God, a habit of cheerful giving. Because one day, Lord, you'll give them more. Lord, it says that you give seed to the sower. One day you will give them money. And I know that the way that they handle a little bit of money now will be how they handle more money later. So God, would you please make us generous, God, because you are. In Jesus' name, amen.